0: Let's get into it. Welcome to the show. Today, I'm extremely excited to be speaking with someone that I've wanted to talk to for a while now, Mr. Jed Dion, the host of Talking Records Podcast. I can't say that without hearing the wonderful Chris Demakes intro podcast theme. It's super cool that he got him to do his theme song for his podcast. Jed is a fantastic human. I really appreciate him taking the time to chat with me. Had a lot of fun speaking with him. Jed is a big reason why I started having a blast. I was turned on to his show, by my good friend Jonathan Langston when he interviewed Jake from the band Strung Out, and I've been listening to his show ever since. We talk about a lot of stuff. We talk about getting into punk rock, playing in punk rock bands, falling in love with music and identifying with punk music. Jed is also in a couple bands himself. He was in a band for almost 21 years called No Intention, and they've got an album on Spotify. He's also in the Prozacs, and they're also great and a lot of fun and also on Spotify as well. And Jed, among many other things, is also a fifth great teacher so we discuss what that's like as well i had so much fun talking to jed i feel like we could discuss music for hours and hours he has always seemed like an insanely likable and humble dude from listening to his podcast and i can confirm that he is indeed exactly that and more check out his podcast wherever you listen and check out his instagram at talking records as well for updates so without further ado please enjoy this fun convo with mr jed dion host of talking records How's it coming, man? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Dude, I've got to apologize <laughs> here in person. I. Uh- <laughs> I don't know where my mind was, man. I've been talking to so many people on the West coast lately. Yeah. I literally, I tried to be intentional about really carving out this middle of the day portion. And I realized (laughs) that literally 15 minutes before I just messed it up again. (laughs) It's on the East coast. Yeah, I know. I saw that and I was
1: like, I think he means
0: the other way around. So I'm going to
1: shoot for your noon. And if you're there, great. If not, you know,
0: (laughs) it's not, dude, I apologize, man. Most unprofessional podcast host of all
1: time. (laughs) That's me. You're, you're, you're talking about me i always feel like <laughs> such a goof because i'm like like i've actually interviewed a couple people from australia and i'm like just to be clear we're talking about your thursday morning <laughs> my <laughs> wednesday night and they're like yes i'm like okay yeah
0: dude yeah i've talked to a couple people across the pond and it was the exact same thing it's nighttime there and mid-morning here right oh uh, so thank you for being flexible i really appreciate it i've really looked forward to talking to you ever since we talked about it yeah. so yeah this is a bit of a thrill for me I apologize again time. Right. right yeah. It's the most important non-renewable resource. So I appreciate <laughs> you taking the time today. I went ahead and wore my no use for a name shirt in your honor I, today. I have that same well. shirt. I'm
1: glad I didn't wear mine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you didn't get the memo? No, no. Nope. That's awesome, man. <laughs> when they did the 25th anniversary and they put the shirts online, I just had to get one. I had a friend, he's obsessed with no use and fat Wreck in general, and he mm-hmm. literally bought two. Oh, really? Yeah. because Yeah. Had the- he had one from the late nineties. Yeah and it was just literally falling apart. Yeah. Yeah. That's mine it was like, it's got holes
1: in it and everything. So I was like, I need a new one. So I was psyched that they put those out. Cause I like that shirt. I like the, you know, the fire logo from making friends and everything. It's really cool.
0: Yes. Yeah. And I think making friends, that was the first record that I heard from no use. Oh, all right. And that was the one that I really gravitated towards. And every time I see this, I immediately think of that album cover. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I love the episode that you did with Mark DeSalvo. That was really cool.
1: Yeah. That was a thrill, man. Talking him about his artwork and like just Picking his brain about like, hey, what goes into like putting an album cover together, you know? And I just, yeah. I, did, I never knew that like it takes like sketch after sketch after sketch after sketch until they like they hit it, you know, until they find something that, oh, that works. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And just a different time when it came to album art in general. You know, I think nowadays there's probably easier ways to digitize something very quickly or do okay. a rough sketch and totally. then <laughs> transition it over before you start really hammering the final piece or the final product. Yeah. So, yeah, he's the real deal. Deal. i mean just so many iconic images from that man over the years covers. absolutely
1: <laughs> yeah
0: so is that what you teach social studies
1: no i'm, I'm an elementary school teacher so i teach everything
0: okay <laughs> except cool. for
1: art pe and music but yeah
0: nice very cool what grade I teach fifth grade oh cool awesome yeah. my partner her name is pamela her son he is starting fifth grade this year oh, just nice. started last thursday Awesome. Yeah.
1: It's a good grade, yeah, you know, it's, it's a good age. I like the, you know, the 10, 11 year olds They're you know, they're a little bit more independent. They understand sarcasm, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't have to zip up snow pants in the wintertime. They yeah. have, you know, pretty good senses of hu- sense of humors and it's a good grade. Yeah. It's a good
0: level. They're sort of figuring out what they like, right? And who they yeah. are. Yeah,
1: they're figuring out the world. They're figuring out that they can push back a little bit, you know, like they're starting to like get into that, that preteen. But at the end of the day, like they know who's boss, unlike middle schoolers yeah. who are just like, you know, I don't need you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, you have them right before they enter that age where they just really push back. Do you you guys start school? Just
1: don't be obnoxious. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Of course. Yeah, that's fun, man. Did you guys already start school? No, not yet. We start
1: next week. So this is. I'm actually just totally savoring today as my last day without
0: having to worry about school. (laughs) Okay. Well, cool. Well, again, thanks for spending a little time with me on your Sunday. Absolutely. Absolutely. A good friend of mine whom I've had for years. I'm just going to mention him because I think he'll get a thrill out of it. He actually introduced me to your podcast maybe nice. a year and a half ago. And it was right after you spoke with Jake from Strung Out. And oh, I think cool. you spoke to two people from Strung Out, right?
1: Yeah, I talked to Jake and then a while later we talked to Jordan, the drummer. That's right. Yeah,
0: Homer, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was so cool because I think that was the first time I had heard of besides Fat Mike and Joey Cape of somebody from Fat Records going in depth on a podcast. Oh, nice. Yeah. And I just dove in to Talking Records from there. I've, I've been a fan ever <laughs> since. Every time you put out a, an episode, I always want to listen to it immediately. Thanks, but man. I love your attention to detail. Was that oh, one yeah. of the reasons you wanted to start the podcast?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, that's the teacher in me a little bit. But, you know, the reason one of the chief reasons why I started talking records is because I'm a huge music fan. I watch a lot of documentaries. I read a lot of books. I've read tons of Beatle books. I've read books about Led Zeppelin. I've watched documentaries about Sting and the police and Bob Marley. And it's just like, you know, I love music. I love the stories. I love how mm-hmm. things come together. But I was disappointed because a lot of the music that I like from my generation, there's just nothing out there. And I mean, I love it as much as other people love these artists that have been well covered (laughs) in books and stuff like that. But there's just not a whole lot out there. You know, you go and you look up Full Circle by Pennywise and there's just nothing there. I mean, Wikipedia page has like the track listing, you know, who produced it, where it was recorded, and that's it. And I'm like, I would just love to know more about how this record came to be. It's an important record to me. It's one that I've listened to a million times. I don't know anything about it, you know?
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. And what's been cool is you've been able to go to the source, right? You can get somebody like Jim on the show and discuss what the writing was like around that time. Yeah, and- I tried to. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's such a not always great... easy,
1: though. I mean, some people are, are more willing to chat than others. And I feel like sometimes folks, I mean, they're all pleased and very excited that you're interested in their music. But I feel like a lot of times some people want to promote what they're doing now. And it's sure. like, oh, you want me to talk about something I, I did in 97? OK, well, I have a new record coming out. Do you want to talk about that? And I'm like, well, of course, someday I would love to. And I can build more of a listening relationship with it. But <laughs> yeah, right now I want to talk about something old. And I mean, people like to some people like to talk about it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You always have the artists who are entrenched in what they're doing now, and they may not necessarily want to reflect back. And there may be something about some of these albums almost have legend or lore status at this point. Yeah. But for these people that are still actively doing new music, I don't know, there may be a perception thing where sometimes they feel like it's almost a slap in the face to them that you don't want to just talk about what they're currently doing. Did you ever see the Jawbreaker documentary? I did, yeah. Okay, cool. I really loved that documentary.
1: That was a great doc. I mean, although I was watching it, I just felt so bad for the bassist. I forget his name. When Blake would like not play the songs, you could tell like yeah. the other guys in the band were like, "Come on, let's just play one." He's like, "No, I can't do it. I can't play those songs. I just can't ruin the you know the the magic or whatever it was, whatever his deal yeah. was with not being able to play those songs." <laughs> so I empathize. Yeah, absolutely with those <laughs> right.
0: I thought the exact same thing, and it was almost the same thing. He just didn't want to revisit the past. He was exactly. still clinging to what he was doing in that Moment, Which I think Jets to Brazil was still around and still putting out records or he was putting out solo records and things like that. But it just seemed like he didn't want to just be known in that moment for Jawbreaker.
1: Right. Or like, and this is why I'm glad that like bands like Operation Ivy are not reuniting because there's something about like that moment in time. The, like the magic of like this thing that happened. And then I almost feel like it gets cheapened when people try to go back to it and make more money off of it or try to revamp it for some, I don't know. And then it's like, yeah. uh, it kind of taints it a little bit. I don't know if, it, if, if you feel that way, but sometimes there's been instances where that's happened and it's like, oh, you know, it's like kind of cheapens it or I don't know. Maybe
0: not, but yeah, I think it just depends. You know, you have a band like at the drive-in, they reunite Mm -hmm. and then they do an interview where they explicitly say, we're just doing this for the paycheck. We're doing this for the money. (laughs) And they were really unabashed about it. Yeah, And it seemed to kind of blow up in their face because Jim immediately quit again Mm -hmm. and they got to fill in okay, well, I may as well just go see the Mars Volta because it's yeah. clearly not at the drive-in anymore, right? It's something right. else entirely. A shell of and so, yeah, and maybe that cheapens it a little bit, but there's something within me that, is excited to see the members of Jawbreaker excited to play again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if they're excited to play again, I guess I'm more excited to see them in that moment. It seems less of all about the financial aspect of it because I'm sure they made a ton of money playing that Riot Fest show. Mm -hmm. And then they had plans for subsequent tours that got dampened by COVID and things like that. And they still may do it. I mean, they've been really active on social media and stuff. But I think, yeah, if it seems like it's labored and they just don't really care and they're kind of just doing it because they need the money or something right then that definitely i think cheapens the experience a little bit but operation ivy i feel like at any moment riot fest is going to get them to do it (laughs) reunite
1: i'm kind of if you follow
0: no i'm sure there's a lot of people that are conflicted about that for sure i mean such a legendary band yeah i just saw rancid i guess it was a week and a half ago now but it was so fun awesome i kind of want to know a little bit about you and your history what was your first memory gravitating towards punk rock Because I know you like a lot of different styles of music. I've heard you mention alternative. I've heard you mention rock and roll. But was it a song or a particular album in the 90s that really got you to latch on to that punk rock ethos or that sound?
1: Yeah, it was. But I want to back up just a little bit. So growing up in in my household, I was exposed to a lot of music. And and part of that, some of that music was punk rock. I remember hearing the Ramones and the Clash. So, you know, I had it in the back of my mind. Then, of course, 94, Dookie Mm. comes out and you know the whole world <laughs> fell in love with that album you know i always say to people dookie is the album that kind of opened the door but it was bad religion who you know beckoned me through that door you know i heard yeah. a walk on the radio and i was deeply immersed in like alternative rock at the time you know these long like 5 minute alternative rock songs and here was this like neat punchy little punk rock song by bad religion it was like thoughtful and i just, i heard it and it was like really catchy and melodic and i just loved that song and I ran out and I got The Grey Race by Bad Religion and just loved that record, listened to it nonstop. And I was like, this is absolutely the music for me. I want more of this. I bought more of their albums. I had a friend like put (laughs) all their records on cassette tapes for me and stuff like that and just totally obsessed over that band for a really long time. And then, of course, you know, listening to Bad Religion led to Listening to all these other bands. I would learn about the guys in the bands and where they had come from, you know, Hudson from the Circle Jerks and Brian Baker from Minor Threat. And I would discover those bands and from there yeah. just branched out and learned about a ton of a ton of bands.
0: <laughs> yeah. Did you say you heard a walk from the gray race on the radio? Yeah. That's awesome. Which is amazing. You know some people would probably call me a poser or just say it's blasphemy. But the Grey Race is actually my favorite Bad Religion record. Oh, well, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just had this conversation with uh, Josh from the family. Oh, from Dogwood. Uh, yeah. 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 yeah, From Dogwood. And we were talking about the Grey Race. And we were like, this is a great great album that i feel like kind of gets overlooked by people i don't know why and a lot of people i've talked to share in this sentiment that it's a great record i think for a lot of bad religion fans it was kind of sour because you know mr brett had left the band and they had and they had already they'd been on atlantic for a while their previous record was on atlantic but it was just one of those things where a lot of people i think let their ideas kind of taint their view of the record, and I always tell people, go back, give it a listen. Like, don't worry what record label it's on or who plays on it. Listen to the songs, listen to the lyrics, listen to the melodies. Yeah, it's a great album.
0: <laughs> yeah, the melodies are some of their strongest, I think, for sure. And I think that's a testament to Rick Ocasek's production. Oh, totally. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did that record, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that record still sounds great too. It's a punk rock record. I mean, it's fast. Absolutely. It's got a lot of that double time Bad Religion beat in it. You know, I love that record. Yeah, that's one. And maybe it was just the time and place in which I heard it because I do remember hearing Stranger Than Fiction. Mm Mm-hmm. I do remember hearing that around ninety four, ninety five, And I don't know if you remember, there was this show on, I want to say it was HBO, which is kind of random, but they were highlighting these mid-level bands that were playing concerts and they would go in and they would film them and it would mm-hmm. be this really well shot concert. And yes. I remember they did that for Bad Religion and it was right in between, I want to say, it might've been right after the Grey Race was released, but I remember they were playing a lot of stuff from Stranger Than Fiction. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching that concert and totally being immersed with that band live and they just sounded so good. They're so good. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, the gray race, maybe it was just, the fact that you had so many people that were maybe a little bit older that just really latched on to Against the Grain and Suffer and oh, sure. Definitely. even Stranger Than Fiction to a certain extent, you know, they had been a band for so long at that point. Mm-hmm. Did you ever go back and listen to Dag Nasty?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dag Nasty was great. This guy, Colin Sears, used to play in Dag Nasty, and he was actually local here. He played in a band called The Marshes, <laughs> which not many people know about, but they were in an area, Amherst, Northampton. I'm from Massachusetts, and they would play all the time and a buddy of mine and and, and i got into the marshes really early on so you know bad religion and you know the bands on fat and epitaph got into those compilations but also this local band the marshes that had Sears from dag nasty cool as a drummer just we love them and that's how you yeah you'd find out about you know who are these guys where do they come from what bands have they played in Mm -hmm. just follow those trails and i love to do that so
0: yeah dude even now Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Do you think compilations, that's something I always talk about with my friends. I think that was one of the ways we were really discovering a ton of bands was these cheap compilations that we'd buy at shows or we'd literally buy them at the record stores because they were in that various artist section. You're always looking for the new one. Fat really did that well. That was how they broke bands, but that was also how they premiered tracks from albums that weren't even out yet. All of the no use for a name. I remember coming too close hearing that for the first time on a compilation and it was the demo version and sometimes i like going back to the actual demo version i love the version that they put on more betterness but yeah that was always fun discovering all those bands
1: yeah and they're amazing because you know like you said they're cheap sometimes you'd get one at a show someone would hand you one But it was awesome because you would get exposure to a lot of bands that were similar to the bands that you liked. So you might see a track on there by No Use For A Name, but there might also be another track on there by a band you haven't heard of, but they're similar to No Use For A Name. Or yeah, one of the things I used to love as a collector is you'd get some comps that had those unreleased tracks. So you'd be like, oh yeah, I get this song that's not on anything else (laughs) by getting this comp, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. You've been in two bands. I was listening to your bands earlier, the Prozac's. And No Intention, what did you want your first band to sound like initially? What were you guys kind of going for? What were some goals that you guys had as a band?
1: Yeah, well, so funny story. So like in 1996, 95, 96, we started No Intention. That's the band that I played in for nearly 20 years of my life. And we definitely started off as like a really bad, like alternative rock, (laughs) sort of like, you know, we were trying to be like Bush or like the Verve Pipe or like just these like alternative rock bands that were exploding at that time. Mm -hmm. Pearl Jam, stuff like that. I mean, we weren't really grunge, but we were just more rock. And I remember we wrote a song and we were playing it. And my buddy, Jack, who played bass in the band at the time is like, oh, my goodness, this song is a direct. Those are the same chords as REM's Star 69. And like, I I didn't listen to REM, but he did. And I was like, oh, bummer. So what I did was, was I flipped the chords. I just played it backwards and I played it faster. And it was like a punk song and it was called Suicide Boy. And I remember I was inspired to write the song when I read this article about art alexius the guy from everclear how mm-hmm. he had like filled up his pockets and like jumped into a river or something but managed like he didn't obviously he didn't die he comes up and he's telling the story and i read this article and i was like wow that's like really powerful like that's crazy like how could you know what kind of mindset would you have to be in to do something like that and then what happens after when you don't succeed so i was really like intrigued by that and i wrote this song and <laughs> We were trying to find gigs and we would take any gig we could possibly get. And I remember we got on this talent show. It was like New Year's Eve, like 96, and we show up with our giant amplifiers And it turns out like all the other acts at this talent show are like teenagers, like we were teenagers, but like, you know, dancers and like, you know, ballerinas and poetry <laughs> readers. And here we come, we're we're coming in with our giant amps, we're plunking them down. And the lady running this thing was like 85 years old. And she's like, okay, well, the rock band can play first. And... <laughs> we got up there and we just like blasted through this song called Suicide Boy. And I think we just terrified every person in that room. And it was so much fun. And I remember we played fast and we played loud and I was like, this is what we need to do. We need to play this kind of music, this louder, faster stuff. I was getting into punk rock at that time. So I was like, forget the, you know, the Bush wannabe, the collective soul wannabe band. We're going to be full punk rock from here on out.
0: (laughs) Brad. Yeah, that's pretty punk rock. It was fun. Yeah, and this this is a talent show where people could potentially win something yeah, or win a yeah, prize. Yeah. Okay, so did you guys win? Oh, we definitely did
1: not win at all. <laughs> I think we were like, like they politely nodded and clapped at us and, you know, hoped that we would leave.
0: <laughs> yeah, I like how she had you guys play first. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so funny. We got to get this noise out of the way yeah. just very Let's quickly. Just do this.
1: Let's put up with these guys for three minutes. And like she had to introduce the song. And she's like, here's no intention with... A suicide boy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. We it was hard for her to, to even say the words. That, but yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, I remember playing a bunch of talent shows in high school, yeah. Battle of the Bands and stuff.
1: Oh, yeah. Those so were bands.
0: always fun. Our friends would come up and pretend to mosh, you know, yeah. or mosh as well as they could, the three of them, in our high school auditorium. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. Battle of the Bands were fun. Were,
1: were fun, but I mean, oh, those used to make me so nervous because we used to get up there and we used to play our hearts out and have fun and jump around and like you know try to get the crowd going because you know they would judge those things based on like a certain criteria like you know crowd engagement you know quality of songs I don't know it's just all this crazy stuff musicianship so you'd, yeah you'd be up there trying to hit them all and, and <laughs> you get done and you're like well you know I don't know we'll see yeah <laughs> We're a punk band, you know, we're
0: supposed to be a little bit loose. It's supposed to be fast.
1: The funny thing about one of them is we won like a round one. And so we were invited back to do round two. And I remember I got so nervous and I'm not a big drinker, but I got So nervous that I totally had way too much to drink and we got up on stage and I proceeded to just like make a total ass out of myself, not like in a horrible way, but like, I was just like saying dumb stuff and like falling over and like playing my guitar terribly and I just totally sabotaged the whole set and my band was like totally mad at me afterwards.
0: But I was like, what are you going
1: to do? You know,
0: (laughs) I think we've all had shows like that. Jed, at one point or another, there's always been one where, hmm. okay." I had a couple shots (laughs) beforehand and then one right before the performance, which may have been just that one extra too much. I used to be in a cover band and nice. we would play for four hours. Oh man. Yeah. And that was always the, <laughs> we would take 15 minute breaks, these little interval breaks, but that was always a dangerous proposition if we played a bar oh, where we knew yeah. the bartender because they just- and be they pay you in drinks, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. A lot of the time you do get, that's built into your payment is you get a certain number of free drinks, but that's always a bit of a dangerous proposition, especially once you get to that last set, that oh, three hours in Absolutely. mark- yeah, you start looking around and just everybody's sloppy. And happened to
1: me a few times. Uh, I think at some point I'm like, all right, no more drinking during <laughs> performances.
0: Before shows, yeah, yeah and during. Yeah, it's like,
1: I'll do it after.
0: <laughs> what year did you graduate high school? I graduated in 98. 98, okay, yeah. We're close to the same age. I graduated '02. How do you think, not necessarily just music, but punk music specifically influenced your life? Was there a segment of you questioning things or oh, did absolutely. it help you buck the status quo? Yeah.
1: Well, my mom's a reporter (laughs) and my dad reads like a book every two days. So I come from, I come from learned people. I come from question askers, you know, I come from people Mm -hmm. who want to know more and, you know, my parents aren't overly political, but they, they have a pretty good finger on the pulse of what's going on. So I always kind of grew up with that, you know, wondering what was happening in the world, questioning things, not being satisfied with the status quo, wondering Mm -hmm. why systems were in place. That directed us in certain directions and challenging those things. And absolutely, I got into punk rock. Like I said earlier, I heard bad religion. I was like, wow, these guys are saying a lot of the things that my young mind is trying to put together. And I Mm -hmm. never thought of it as like preachy. You know, I'd listen to Pennywise as well and Anti-Flag. And I would never feel like they were like preaching at me. But I would hear, you know, think for yourself. Understand more about your world. Check into these things, you know, look into this. Hey, did you know about that? Like, here's a, you know, here's a problem going on you might not have known about, you know, and I would do that and I would just dive into these things. And I just totally got interested in all of that. And, you know, punk is a youth movement. I was young. I was totally not rebellious because I didn't, I didn't do anything, you know, (laughs) but I was rebellious in a way in that I was just constantly outside of like what was the flow of normalcy or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I would just try to be myself and try to follow, you know, the direction that I would set for myself, my values, all that stuff. And it'd be hard, you know, it'd be really hard. And the band obviously helped with that too, because you'd get around like-minded people and you'd have other bands and friends and kind of surround yourself in that world. But yeah, definitely punk rock totally shaped who I was at that time and continues to shape who I am today. Because I get a real kick out of the fact that we are in a place with punk rock that like no one has ever really been before. We've got all these bands, guys like in their fifties, gals in their fifties. And, you know, you can't really point to too many bands in the seventies or eighties that had, you know, punk rock members that were (laughs) in their fifties and sixties. And so a lot of people probably say, Oh, you know, why don't they hang it up? Like, you know, it's time to quit guys. I don't think that at all. I, I commend these people that obviously got into the music because they loved it and they wanted to belong to something. And now they're older. I mean, that's got to still be true. I mean, you still Mm want to belong. You still want to be a part of something. And maybe at that age more than ever, because you're getting old, you know, and you're maybe not hanging out with your buddies all the time. But music is that thing that kind of does bring you together you know if you're making it or listening to it or talking about it so yeah
0: definitely absolutely man i love all of that and i think i could echo the same sentiment for punk rock i think like you said it's a bit of a youth movement but it's also a communal movement you know i remember when i first started going to local shows in kansas city and lawrence you'd walk in and you'd feel this air of no judgment like you belong and i wanted to be friends with everybody and you'd see somebody walking around with a lag wagon shirt or an Atari mm-hmm. shirt or something. It was the late 90s, and you'd think, oh, we're already friends. We just don't know each other's names. You know what I mean? Like we already Absolutely. love the same bands. Yes. You know, there's that cross connection that you just see immediately. Mm-hmm. And I completely agree with you on the men and women that are a little bit older in some of these legacy bands, or even in some of these newer bands that are eventually, hopefully, going to become those legacy bands for mm-hmm. other people. I saw Descendants a couple nights ago, nice, and it was so life giving. It was the first show that i went to where it's a very safe show lots of people wearing masks even Mm -hmm. though you know you don't necessarily need to wear masks it wasn't mandatory or anything but you just have people that are looking out for one another yeah i met milo the last time they came to lawrence which was about two and a half years ago and i met him in a record shop and he was literally going through the seven inches (laughs) so these guys still care about music they still are infatuated with music I don't think they're just doing it just to do it as a paycheck. They still look like they're having a blast. They're having fun. And it still has that communal element. Hey, we're in this together. We're bonded through this love of punk rock and this fast music and these lyrics. Right. And it was just so fun and life-giving. It was a great thing to experience. I'm glad you got to go to a show. That's great. Yeah. 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 <laughs> How about you? Have you been to any shows recently? Like maybe a month ago, I saw
1: The Bouncing Souls and that was, yeah, life-giving. Oh, right. I mean, I... I didn't realize how badly I needed live music until I was standing there, you know, surrounded by people. And I was just like, "Whoa!" you know, like the year that I just finished living was the longest year of not going to see bands since I can remember. And that was that was hard. It was really hard,
0: yeah. I mean, it becomes a way of life, you know. Every year, I'm going to 30 to 50 shows, that's just what it's been, yeah. yeah. You're exactly right. That was a weird thing because I would do my best to support the bands mm-hmm. if they do a live stream or something. It's not the same, but I want to just yeah. support the band if I can oh, totally, yeah. It's a unique experience, but you don't really realize how much you miss it until you get into that atmosphere and you can literally feel the music, you feel the mm-hmm. ground pulsating, and you think, Oh, this is what I fell in love with in the first yeah. place, you know. This is yeah. the energy of it. There's just something something about it. It was almost a bit overwhelming. It was like, wow, you know. <laughs> yeah. I need this. I needed this. Yeah. So, there's catharsis yeah. in it. There's a bit of a release there almost. Mm-hmm. That's rather you saw the bouncing souls. Who they play with?
1: Love the bouncing souls. They played with H two O and Sick oh, but all dude. And there was a surprise appearance by bane um, oh so really like, totally unexpected. Yeah they came back. It was a the whole show was in honor of this fellow, Stu, who had played with Bane, and he had passed. And mm-hmm. so these bands kind of came together to raise some money and, and just kind of honor his his, his life. and As a tribute. So it was cool. Yeah, it was a really cool show. Great bands, a lot of fun. Like I said, just being back in that room and, and hearing live music again, I was like, oh.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's cool, the H2O. and Sick of it all. Sick of it all. Mm-hmm. What a killer live band. Yeah. Yeah, so fun. It was great. <laughs> That's a and fun I'd never show. seen
1: H2O before, so I was thrilled. I was like, here's a band oh, that I've cool. been listening to since 96, 97, and I'm just seeing them live for the first time in 2021. Like, what happened there?
0: That's incredible. Yeah, and to see a new band, right? When I saw Descendants, I saw The Messengers, and I hadn't seen them yet. It oh, was the first great. time I'd seen them. Oh, yeah, great. so that was a cool thing, just experiencing a new band live. So I bet that was really cool, seeing H2O after all these years, right? Yeah. Yeah, The last time I saw H2O was a really cool show It was when they opened for the co-headlining tour with Alkaline Trio and New Found Glory Oh, nice Yeah, I went to Columbia, Missouri, which is two hours away from Kansas City And what was funny is we walk in and we go to the bar And I'm not much of a drinker these days either But at this time I was and I went to the bar (laughs) And I ordered a drink and then I turned to my right And it's Dan, the singer of Story of the Year Oh, wow yeah. And he doing? was just hanging out because he's from St. Louis, which is also two hours from Columbia. Oh, cool. We just sat there and talked for a little while, but he was there to, to catch the bands and Dude, Toby. So
1: cool. Like these, these guys are all like very approachable guys and gals. You can just, you can go talk to these folks, you know, and that's what I always loved. Like yeah. you bumped into Milo in a record store. You know, you could just talk and just hang out. And I've done that so many times and it really makes you appreciate the band, the music, the people even yeah. more because they're just as psyched to be there as you are.
0: Yeah, and I like absolutely. That. Yeah, I love it when bands are still fans. You know, yeah. they still care. They're enthusiastic about music and things like that.
1: You ever go to a show where the band looks bored? You know, it's like, oh, it just totally kills the yeah. whole vibe. And I don't. You don't really get that with punk rock or ska or hardcore music. Those people, it's like pure energy and excitement for what it
0: is. The atmosphere.
1: Yeah. You know, the surroundings, the people, you. You
0: know. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Have you ever heard Fat Mike say, I like this quote, and I think I like it more as I get older because I think I understand where he's coming from more. It used to just be almost cliche, but he said in interviews before where it's not about how much money you make. It's about how much fun you have. And the person who has the most fun is the happiest. Absolutely.
1: (laughs) That was kind of no intention in the Prozac's too. Kind of our credo. Like, this should be fun. Like, you should be up there having the time of your life. And I know when I play, like, I probably look like a giant goofball because I'm jumping around. I'm like smiling ear to ear. You know, I'm having fun because if I'm not having fun, I like, why would I do it? You know? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Do you sing? I sang in no intention and I do some some backing vocals in the Prozacs. But the cool thing about being in the Prozacs is I can just focus on guitar. And that's why I really feel like in this stage of the game, like I did the whole singing and playing guitar thing forever. Yeah. And I don't know about you. I don't know what you did in your band. You'll have to tell me in a minute. But singing and playing guitar and like booking the shows and doing everything was like too much. <laughs> so yeah. I would get on stage and I would just be like, ah, I've got like nine different things happening. I'm thinking about the promoter and how I got to find him after the show. And I'm thinking about the <laughs> merch table and who's watching it. And I'm thinking about, you know, did we, did we check in with the other bands? Like, do they think we're jerks? Like, do we extend the hand of friendship to the, the touring bands? Like, And I'm thinking about all this stuff. Like did all the tickets I saw, is everybody here that said they were going to be here? <laughs> and I get on stage and like my brain is just like fried, you know? Yeah. And now. I don't have to do any of that. <laughs> I don't That's have to fun. Play. I just get up there and I play guitar. And I like that because I like playing guitar. Yeah. It was never really the focus. And now I'm like, I can do this. I can play leads. I can take my time and like play the right way.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I share that same viewpoint. I'm a guitar player as well. In my first band, I was in a band called Game Time and I would sing leads occasionally, but it was nice because we broke it up over three singers. We were one of those crazy bands. Awesome. Yeah. We all sang and I would sing backups for probably most of the songs, which was always fun for me. And then I was in another band called the American life where I just played guitar and occasionally sang backups. And I really enjoyed that for all the same reasons you're talking about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the singer is always asked for all the press too. So if you're doing an interview or any type of where you have to represent the band, the singer is always the one filling in those roles too. So there's a lot going on there. It can be a little overwhelming sometimes there's for a lot sure. that
1: goes on. Yeah. It's, it's an overwhelming job at times, but you know, always, always worth it. And I always, as much as it stressed me out, you know, I wasn't going to not do it. It was like good stress. Well, I don't know if there's anything such thing as good stress, but
0: <laughs> Oh yeah. You stress worth,
1: worth doing, you know? So I li- I, I, liked it.
0: Yeah. It I think of exercise as good stress. Oftentimes, mm-hmm. you know, you're challenging your body or even just like personal development where you're learning a new skill yeah. or playing guitar that's stressful. And then all of a sudden it's not stressful. You're learning a new song and you kind of suck at it at first. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a different payoff tangent. It's
1: great. It's like, while you're doing it, like you mentioned working out, I always hate it when I'm doing it. I'm like, Oh, this sucks. I'm like laying on the floor, a sweaty <laughs> mess. And then I'm like, Oh, this is the worst. Why am I doing this? But afterwards I've got energy. I'm feeling good. You know, I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> wasn't <Yeah>. so bad. <laughs> you got I'll all, all those healthy again.
0: hormones coursing through you. Yeah. That's when it's worth it. But sometimes while it's happening, you're thinking, man, this, this kind of sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a fun one. So I wanted to ask you this definitely just for from listening to a lot of your episodes, I think you do a good job of highlighting some staples in the scene, but mm-hmm. also some sleeper records and some bands that maybe people didn't really give a ton of attention to back in the day, or maybe they weren't exposed to their music. Yeah, I loved when you talked to Phil from Limp. Limp was always a band that I was oh, so into, yes. Yes. and Pop and Disorderly, that record I love their other records too. But Pop and Disorderly, I think I bought that at a CD warehouse in 1998 or something, yeah, and I I just fell in love with that record. I love the way it sounds. I still think it holds up as far as recording goes. But what are some other sleeper records slash bands that you think are records that more people should go back and listen to?
1: Yeah, wow. Uh, that's, a, that's a good question. There are I know, so I started many. writing a
0: list. This could go on for days.
1: <laughs> so many, because, you know, obviously I have a huge passion for music. I love it. I, I love so many bands and I'm always trying to find new bands i'm always looking for you know because it's exciting it's exciting to discover new bands and listen to something for the first few times and really get into it and discover this band so you know i'll always say like useless id i'll always talk about them you mentioned limp i love limp they're so great i would just wish more people had gotten into them you know more people from the pop punk world they were just so good such great songwriters their sound was awesome those punchy drums but You know, I always try to tell people about bands like Much the Same. You know, Much the Same is a phenomenal band that really kind of bring that 90s punk, skate punk sound uh, Mm -hmm. in, you know, but they update it in their own way. And I just think they're an amazing band. And I also like to tell people about a band and they're always like, what, who? This band called Daycare for Jedi. They're from Denmark. Definitely check them out. Daycare for Jedi, they're amazing. I think their songs, same thing, just fast, melodic, brings me back to that time. But again, it's like modernized a little bit. Are um, they Canada. a band? You know, what? I think I don't know if they're still together. They're they kind of came out in the mid two thousands, but I don't know. They there hasn't been any movement on any of their social media pages. so Okay, <laughs> who knows? Maybe they'll pop out of somewhere. You know? Cool. Um, I always tell people about the decline from Australia. They're amazing. Pat is an amazing dude. Great band. Again, they captured that sound, but from the 90s and kind of move it forward. Mm -hmm. I really love bands like Mobina Galore from Canada. Two gals who just... Really bring it with emotion. Their songs, they'll just make you stop. Like you'll whatever you're doing when you put on their latest album, I think it's called Don't Worry. You're just gonna listen to it because you can't you can't help it. Like I remember the first time I heard that record, I was shoveling the driveway. <laughs> and I was just standing there with the shovel in my hand, like listening to this music. She was pouring her heart out. and I'm like, Oh my god, like I want to send this this gal a card, you know, like <laughs> it was so <laughs> emotional and so raw, and it was just so good. I was like, Who? Who can write like this? I can't. Amazing stuff. That's uh, awesome. I had a friend turn me on to the Shell Corporation. Great political punk band, but you know, humorous stuff. They're awesome. Yeah. I always tell people to check them out. Not on tour is another band like Useless ID from the like Israel. I think they're from Tel Aviv. Okay. Um, and they're really good. In Boston, there used to be this great pop punk band called the Appreciation Post, mm-hmm. and. I don't think they're together anymore either. But I'm always like telling people about these bands. Like, if you like this, you're going to love this. Like, these are all really great bands. Uh, the Implants were an awesome band that kind of popped up and then disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't know. I can keep going. You got to stop me. But I'm going to check out all these bands. <laughs> yeah, a lot of these I've heard of. The client I love. I just had Frank from Much the Same on the show. Yeah. And he was a total sweetheart. My first band, we played a couple shows with them back in the day. That's awesome. I think it was right before they signed to Nitro. But I remember loving their band back then. That's and so good. <laughs> Their newest record, I really feel like it's the first... I told him this too. It was sort of the first record of a series of records that harkens back to the late 90s skate punk sound right. where it's had a bit of a resurgence almost. Yeah. I think of bands like Chaser. I Chaser's think of bands... Amazing. yeah. Yeah, and all of the... I don't know if you were a big Rufio fan, but I was a massive Rufio fan. Mm-hmm. And all of his music, the Scott Sellers solo covers he
1: does those are great yeah
0: yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah this i love the cover record and then just all of the eps that he's put out and all the albums that he's put out that mm-hmm. he's just self-released i think he's very inspired at the moment right now which is really cool did you ever get into bands like craig's brother or yeah body yep. jar craig's brother
1: is awesome love craig's brother body jar too like i have a I always make like workout mixes. We were talking about working out earlier and yeah, I got a few body jar songs on there. Definitely. Yeah. And I love all these bands that do harken back to like the nineties, but it's not just like a, it's not just like a tribute to the nineties. You know, they're not just like yeah. rehashing up the same old stuff. Like the guitar work is getting more technical. The drum yeah. beats are getting like faster. And you know, I just, I feel like I can't quite put my finger on like what's new about it, but it definitely mm-hmm. sounds refreshing. It's not just like, more of the same.
0: Yeah, I have a theory as to why some of these albums and some of these bands they come out so realized so quickly. Mm-hmm. And I think it has something to do with demoing capabilities. Just being able to really flesh out the songs now, Mm. especially with the advent of new technology as far as recording goes, because I think you don't have to be married to a part. If you're writing a verse, you can do a lot of different things to it. And there's a lot of versatility as far as how quickly you can change the chord arrangement or change the drum beat to facilitate something that doesn't necessarily mess with the vocal line or anything. I feel like it's kind of a miracle. A lot of these bands back in the nineties, they had to have just been very inspired many of them because they really didn't have capabilities of really demoing stuff the way we do today, yeah, you know, or we just today, creating yeah. a song.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. And I, I know some people don't like the technology. I know they, they feel like it saps the life out or it's cheating, but it's almost like using the technology as an instrument. I mean, you're, you're creating music and you're using the technology as your instrument. And I think that's cool. I mean, I'm, I'm amazed with people who can create music that way. I don't, I don't shun it. I think it's pretty cool.
0: It's interesting. My old band, we just released a new song after 17 years, a couple of weeks ago. Nice. And I wrote it 10 years ago when I was teaching myself how to record. But it was a situation where I was teaching myself pro tools and I was literally drawing in the drum beat, just the skeleton of the beat, what I had envisioned, but it was just a drum machine basically. But I would Mm -hmm. literally use my mouse to click it in. (laughs) And that was where I discovered you could really mess around with arrangements and chords. If I wrote a melody and then I wrote the chord progression, I could... Go, well, what if I tried this chord right here instead? Mm -hmm. And then you could literally just take that out and then just replace it very quickly, you know? That's cool. (laughs) And I think that's probably what people are doing now. They have that capability to really flesh out those little minor details that maybe they weren't capable of doing back in the 90s because it was kind of a situation where you went in for pre-pro for a couple of weeks and then that was it. That was the record Mm -hmm. you were going to make. But yeah, I don't know. It is interesting, but I like the fact that you have a lot of bands these days that are implementing Those faster drum beats and sometimes they're a little bit older, so they're a little bit more mature and they're just able to tap into that older sound. Was there ever a moment, I have this written down here, but I'm wondering if there was ever a moment where transitioning from the late 90s to the early 2000s, for you, was there a bit of a disconnect as far as the music is concerned? Because it really shifted the 2000, 2001 mark. You had pop punk that exploded beyond the fat records and the epitaph.
1: Yeah, not not really. I mean, I, I like when bands will, you know, experiment and try new things and grow, write a little differently. I mean, I'm hypocritical because I still love Pennywise and they just do the same thing over and over again. But I loved it. Like, I, that's what I want Pennywise to do. So it's kind of like you, you kind of take it band by band. Like, that's yeah. what I want Pennywise to do. But there are other bands like Propagandi. I, I want them to keep trying new things because every time they do, I'm like, wow, that's amazing. This record's better than the last one, you know? so. Yeah. I definitely get that and I like when bands will sort of challenge themselves to try new things and 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 play you know different styles like not obviously I don't want like a punk rock band to just suddenly put out like a calypso record but you know I'm like really into growth and watching bands mature and stuff like that. I don't think there was ever a disconnect. I just kept finding new things to like and expanding, you know, my horizons and and trying different bands and getting into styles. Like I was a little slow to warm up to some of the poppier punk stuff. But, mm-hmm. you know, once I kind of just got into it and listened to it and appreciated it for, you know, the songwriting and the pop element, you know, I just really enjoyed it. And I think for me, though, the thing that really sort of became a disconnect was digital music. I used to Buy CDs and tapes and you'd get them home and you'd open them up and you'd read the lyrics along with the music and you'd read through who the producer was and where it was recorded and who the guest musicians were. And there was just more of like an involvement in the music. Mm-hmm. But at some point, I was just like downloading music. You know, I'd get it from the band's websites or from like Bandcamp. Well, Bandcamp, not so much from the era I'm talking about, but like you know, mp3.com. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, yeah. All this digital music, you get. You know, download codes and it's it just got to be like too much like music was too accessible. Like all of a sudden mm-hmm. you could just have everything. You could go online and just listen to it. And yeah. I feel like it kind of like muddied up the waters a little bit. And I was like stretched too thin listening to too much stuff. But listening to a lot of stuff has always been my thing. But now you have the added, not really being connected to it, not like investing in looking at the booklet or, you know, holding it in your hand. And I remember that being a thing. And I was like, I got to get back into like buying records. You know, that's when I started collecting a lot of vinyl, just like buying it. And once again, like being a part of like the physical process of like putting the record on and listening to it and looking at the artwork. So for me, that was a time when I got kind of disconnected and was able to kind of rein myself back
0: in a little bit. Yeah. The tangible nature of holding something in your hand, which makes sense why you like vinyl, collecting vinyl. Yeah. Because there's still that product that you can hold in your hands. It's something, it's physical. It's something beyond just the music itself. Because yeah, yeah, I find myself with streaming, I don't find myself falling as deeply into the records Mm -hmm. these days. Yeah. And I try to get more involved in the record. If it's something that I really enjoy and it latches on to me and I think it's worth listening to, it's something that I want to listen in totality. I want to listen to the whole record front to back. Yeah. So that's something that I've been trying to do more often, just really soak up a record and its experience instead of just listening to the first three songs and then moving on. Yeah. <laughs> it's so easy to do in the age of streaming. And oh, totally. I'm just like you, iTunes, I never really truly latched on to the idea of having a song as this little emblem on your computer, yeah. like that just it seems really hollow and stale. I don't know. Yeah, to me,
1: I just don't have a connection to a lot of the records that I bought in like 2005, 2006, 2007. There's a lot of great stuff from that time, but I feel like those years are not years that I can look back on and say, "Wow, I connected to a lot of music back then." Whereas, like, I can think about the late '90s and just like <laughs> be overwhelmed with records that really meant a lot to me and had an impact. And I know those are the formative years you're getting into music and stuff like that. But the same could be said for nowadays. Like I get records now, I buy them. And again, I'm reading through them and I'm connecting to them. I'm paying attention to the songs. It's not just on in some playlist, you know, come and go. And like you, I like to put a record on and listen to it straight through and just enjoy it for, you know, what it is. And kind of like get the artist's vision, you know. They, yeah. they sequence this album this way for a reason. There's a reason why this is track one, and this is tra- you know the last track. And I like that. I think it's an art,
0: absolutely. And I was just curious if you felt a disconnection from some of the bands that got really, really popular around that time, the 2002 to 2006 era. I really latched onto bands like Amberlin, Acceptance, mm-hmm. May, Tooth and Nail was kind of having a big revival or their heyday. But yeah. a lot of those bands grew up on the same bands that you and I are discussing now, like the Fat Wreck and Epitaph bands, and you could hear the influence a little bit and some of the pop nature of the melodies. Yeah. So I didn't know if those bands, when you've encountered the drive through era or the Fueled by ramen era, if that turned you off a little bit.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I like what I like and I don't like what I don't like. There was some bands that came out during that time that I just never paid attention to because I just, you know, it wasn't my thing. And yeah. I, I'm quick to, to make sure that I don't put down bands. You'll never hear me on Talking Records. I mean, there's I've made a few comments, but I really try not to like, insult bands or put down music that people like because you know i might not like it but a lot of people do and you know who am i sure right and it's someone's hard work and you know who am i to like put someone's music down just because i don't like it there's too much of that going on in the world i
0: don't want (laughs) to contribute to it you know
1: so that's very true no
0: you do a great job of keeping it positive on talking records it's a lot of fun to listen to
1: you know someone might really love that band and you're up there uh, trashing it but so i try not to do that but i also try not to fault bands for for becoming popular, like that's not their fault. I mean, all bands want to be heard. I mean, you're making music and you're recording it because you want people to hear it, right? No band sure. is like, well, we're going to record this, but we only want X number of people to hear it. Right? <laughs> Beyond that, and you know, it's like you know, they're putting things in place to make sure that only a certain amount. <laughs> hear it. That's silly, yeah. You're foolish. So I never fault bands for getting popular. I do have a problem though with the bands, obviously, that like change their entire sound or their Aesthetic because they discover Something is going to make them money You know or like sure So that, that's a problem and I don't I'm not into that but Bands that just are doing their thing And you know like take Green Day For example Green Day's always done what Green Day wants to do mm-hmm. you know If they want to make this record they make that record If they want to make a louder record they make a louder record If they want to sing and dance on stage they sing And dance on stage on Broadway you know they're Just mm-hmm. going to do it if they want to yeah. make a rock record All of a sudden cool You know, they just do their thing. They're mega popular, you know, and I'm like, great. And as an aside, bands I really love, I want people to hear those bands. I do understand, you know, where some people are coming from where you have a band you really love and then all of a sudden it gets swallowed up by the mainstream. And Mm now all of a sudden that person who was making fun of your music, you know, three months ago is now a big fan of what you were listening to. I get that, but again, you know, not, not the fault of the bands and, I always tell people you can't, you can't let other people determine what you like, you know? Yeah. <laughs> or, Cause everybody likes them. Who cares?
0: Absolutely. <laughs> Why do you yeah, care? At the end, end of the day. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's just art. It's subjective, right? So like Mm -hmm. what you like and be unapologetic about it. I love the example with Green Day though, because they didn't change their sound. You listen to Kerplunk and then you listen to Dookie and it's like, okay, that sounds like the next evolution of what Kerplunk was. It's definitely got that major label budget, but in the nineties, it was an expensive record, but I remember... I was listening to those two records at the same time. Of course, I discovered Dookie first because I was 10 years old, mm-hmm. but I bought them both at the exact same time. And I remember listening to them interchangeably. And In my young years couldn't really tell the difference. You know, there were yeah. still <laughs> distorted power chords, there were still great melodies, there was great songwriting. Yeah. So I just love when people go to bat for Green Day because Green Day got. Immensely shit on when oh, they did yeah. sign to a major label, so and annoying. their whole Gilman scene abandoned them, and
1: yeah. I'm sure they
0: felt abandoned too, and that, I guess that makes sure. sense. But yeah, yeah, it's funny how the phrase of selling out, how much that's transitioned over the last twenty or thirty years. Oh, yeah, definitely. It used to be such a terrible thing to be branded a sellout. And these days, it's not even a thing that people really even think about anymore. It's kind of in the back of people's minds a little bit. Like people have, I think, an understanding of what it's like when something gets really, really popular and it gets away from them, then it's mm-hmm. no longer theirs. They can't be romantic about it. Right. But you listen to pop punk bands now, and not many of them are too worried about selling out, especially as the records move on and they get more glossy and more poppy over time. Yeah. It doesn't seem like that's a huge concern of theirs. And that was kind of a weird good. era too. Yeah. That mid 2000s.
1: Yeah, it was. Yeah, it seemed like there was like a dip in, in some of the, the records, but, you know, you can't, you can't churn out amazing records all the time. You're going to have every band is going to have, you know, those peaks and valleys, you're going to run out of ideas, but then be suddenly inspired a few years later. I mean, I don't know, I think that's kind of cool. I mean, yeah. I like to kind of trace a band's career and see where they started off and, you know, what they were doing 10 years later, and then, you know, how they managed the the time where maybe that music wasn't as popular as it once was, like all the punk bands, you know, it was huge in the 90s. But, you know, where was punk in the mid 2000s, as you say, and the bands that kind of just weathered that and kept to it, like take ska, for example, ska was humongous in 97, yeah. you know, it was kind of yeah. died off at the end of the nineties, 2000. It was like, hello, anybody out there, you know, <laughs> but there were a lot of bands that just kept doing it. They're like, okay, no one likes it again. Fine. We're just going to keep making Ska records. And those people that do like it, they're going to buy them and they're going to listen to them. And that's fine. You know, that's yeah. cool.
0: Yeah. And what's cool is Ska is having a bit of a revival too. You have a lot Which of really great awesome. yeah. new Ska bands. Dude, I always love Ska. I always love those bands too that had kind of Ska elements, but maybe they didn't necessarily have horns. I liked bands yeah. with horns too. Yeah. I loved less than jake's one of my favorite bands of all time mm-hmm. i love real big fish i love goldfinger their first three records i'm a huge fan of mm-hmm. i like the bands that incorporated a little bit of ska too like some of the ska songs from NoFX and rancid yeah. and even a band like homegrown they had some homegrown, some yeah. ska <laughs> elements in their first two records that i was huge fans of those first early two records yeah yeah, it's cool. I like how you have new bands honoring that movement a little bit. Tell me about the podcast. You started in 2019. Is that when Talking Records officially started or was it 2018?
1: Yeah, I've been at it for two years. So yeah, Okay. I started that spring. Yeah, Talking Records is the podcast. And I started that, like I said earlier, out of just a desire to know more about the albums that I love, but also I had been in a band for a long time, as I talked about, and I felt like I kind of got away from talking to all those great people that I had met, other bands, you know, fans, people that would come to the shows and hang out. And we would just have these great conversations about music. We'd hang out and it was fun. And I kind of got away from that and it bummed me out. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do this podcast where I'm going to like gather up as much information as I possibly can about these records, (laughs) you know, go to the sources if I can, if they'll answer my pesky questions, (laughs) but then bring in like friends and like people that I, I met along the way just to talk about records. And it was fun to be like, Hey, will you come on my podcast? Sure. All right. What album should we talk about? I don't know. Well, what are your five favorite records? Here they are. Oh, I love that record too. Your third one down. Let's do that. So it was really cool about, you know, connecting over an album. So, like you said, we might not always do the expected record. You know, we did Battle Hymns by Suicide Machines. Everyone's like, how come we didn't do the first record? <laughs> you know, but it's like, well, we'll probably do that record. But sure. His friend and I, Chris, we really bonded over Battle Hymns. So, that gave us something to talk about. Yeah. Record was meaningful to our relationship.
0: Absolutely, man. There's that connection, right? It's like a book. Sometimes a book will hit you the right way in whatever place you're at in your life in that moment, you know? And yeah. albums are the exact same way. I'm sure a lot of people, if I told them making friends is my favorite record, you're going to have a lot of purists that are going to say, oh, no way, man. First record, that's the best record, you know? Or Le Chez <laughs> <Sheikun laughs> Carné, that's the. Right. That's the quintessential no use for a name right there. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. it would make perfect sense if somebody said, well, More Betterness is my favorite record or Hard Rock mm-hmm. Bottom is my favorite record or Feel mm-hmm. Good record. You know, that's my favorite. I mean, these are all great records. So it's it's just about how it hit you in that time. And- Oh,
1: uh, Yeah. Absolutely.
0: A lot of my friends and I, we have a shared love of Hello Rockview. And I think great that's a album. well-loved album by Less Than Jake. They've just got so many great albums. But there's so many people that would want to talk about Losing Streak over Hello Rockview. And that record <laughs> I'd be is one of those people, so special. But... <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, both records. I are... love Hello Rockview.
1: Don't get me wrong. But
0: yeah. But Losing Streak is up there for you. That's my jam. Yeah. I mean, I heard Kezcore
1: yeah. I got Pescore and then like a month later Losing Street came out. So I liked Pescore. I listened to it a lot, but also I had this new Les Jake record to listen to. And I just listened to that to death and to me that one just has a really sentimental but also it's a great album. So you get yeah. those two
0: things. Yeah, every song. And there's like 16 songs on that record and they're just all phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, they were just banging on all cylinders back then. Amazing music. Yeah, classic but band. like you
1: said, like I like to hear I like to hear how people got into things. So on the podcast, we have a section where I say, Hey, how'd you get into this record? Cause like, I know how I got into all these records, but I love hearing other people's stories. Like, where did you find it? Did you hear this band on a comp? Did someone let you borrow it? Did you hear it like on the radio? Did you, you know, did you get to it later than I did? Like, how did you get to it? You know, I talk yeah. to those guys from growing up punk a lot. And we, we, we tease each other because one of the guys on that show, uh, David, doesn't really care for No Use for a Name in the same way that Aaron and I do, and we're always kind of like, "Oh, they're so great." And he's like, "Ah, but it wasn't in my on my radar at the time, and yeah. I'm getting, I'm coming to it now, and I just I don't see it the way you do, and it's just it's fun to talk to people about that."
0: Yeah, and get different perspectives. Exactly. That's funny. It's hard to believe though that somebody doesn't feel that same way about No Use for a Name. <laughs> well,
1: that's I what mean, I say. Such a special well, is the greatest band in the world. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, man, I, that's a gentleman that I would, would have loved to have had the opportunity to speak with, yeah, not necessarily Ooh. on a podcast, but just in general. Just out of curiosity, what is your favorite No Use for a Name record? I'm sure you've mentioned it on the podcast before, but...
1: Episode one of Talking Records is all about making friends, and that is, without a doubt, my favorite No Use for a Name album. I love them all. I mean, I got into No Use through Leche Con Carne when a friend let me borrow the cassette tape, and I yeah. listened to that so often in my car. It just cycled through my car and I love that album I love it I love it when making friends came out it was like the first you know new no use for name record that I was able to go out and buy and I just I loved it I, I just think that record is great it sounds great the songs are great I love that there's a bunch of songs on there with no choruses. (laughs) Yeah. It just really hit me. I think the playing is great. Chris Shiflett brought so much to the guitar. Matt Mm -hmm. Riddle's bass playing is just phenomenal. He plays with his fingers and he's like, you know, he's like, yeah, really going to town on that. And of course, Rory and Tony, the whole thing just pulled together for me. I love Leche. Don't get me wrong, but making friends just to me is is my favorite.
0: Yeah, I think it might be my favorite as well. I just have such fond memories of riding around in my friend's car, listening to that record. It's cool too, all the guest vocals where you've got the guest vocalist from uh, Dancehall Crashers and Dickie from Mighty Mighty Boston's, yeah, classic record. You're right, I think Chris did bring something to them. Tony Slice songwriting,
1: (laughs) yeah. He's doing those finger tapping solos is great. There's but, something
0: uh, about those solos though that are still melodic. I still kind of sing them in my head when they happen. Yeah. You know, Last, and you can tell I think he I think he doubled them when he recorded oh, yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just so cool. Like they literally paint them. Yeah. I asked Rory, record.
1: I'm like, what's with all the, what's with all those solos on that record? The, you know, it sounds like finger tapping. I mean, maybe some of it is, but what's with the fast metal solos? He goes, what else are you going to play over that fast music? You know? And it's like, oh yeah, it's you're right. You're not going to play like a, you know, like a a slow kind of like, you know, you have to play a solo that fast when it's laid over music that fast. So I was like, oh, all right, <laughs> fair yeah. enough.
0: <laughs> yeah, and Dave, I mean, he's no slouch either. He's an incredible guitar player. Yeah. He really brought that element to the band as well. And just being able to play all those solos live and things, I remember seeing him play those and just being really impressed by his ability to take on that role. Because that's got to be a little overwhelming at first too when you join a new band. Totally. And they've got this record that they just put out that has all these amazing guitar solos on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Well, cool. So what's exciting you these days? We'll keep it specific. What's exciting you about music these days?
1: Yeah. We touched on a few things. I love that there's been a a slew of bands coming out that have kind of paid homage to the old way, you know, the old days in the nineties, but are pushing things forward. Chaser, bands like that. I love that new Belvedere record that came out. Yeah. It's a lot of great stuff. We were talking about bands that, Came out of retirement. The new Slick Shoes record is phenomenal. Yeah, it's like yeah, I just feel like bands are really, really hitting it these days. I a lot of great records have been coming out. I love that there's been a, an uptick in, in ska music coming coming around again. I uh, yeah. always always be psyched when ska is getting its fair amount of attention. Great bands yeah. around right now. Are there now.
0: any new ska bands that you're really into? Well, like, I, love I love Half Past
1: Two. I love Half Past Two. I think they're a yeah. great band. The new Cat Bite record is just really great i've been having a really good time with that but you know OmniGon, all these all these bands that you find on like bad time records like they're totally just blowing it all out there just great stuff yeah
0: yeah super fun stuff too mm-hmm. that was the thing that i always loved about ska especially live is it was just so much fun yeah. and i'd go to a less than jake show and sometimes they'd be playing these smaller mid-sized punk clubs mm-hmm. and i mean I don't think I've ever seen a crowd go off like I have at a really <laughs> enthusiastic crowd for a Less Than Jake show. I remember I saw them play this punk club in Kansas City called El Torreon. They played The Big Room. This was probably 2000, and they played with One Man Army and The Suicide Machines. Nice. And wow. they started, show. yeah, it was it was killer. I remember Less Than Jake started playing, and I don't think I've ever seen a crowd erupt. In that way, you know, maybe during Andrew WK or something, but you saw everybody moving in unison. It was really a magical thing. Yeah, and I think Scott gets a bad rap sometimes, but man, it's just so yeah. much fun. <laughs> yeah,
1: everything gets a bad rap except from you know some faction of, of people.
0: But yeah, <laughs> I try not to.
1: There's people that are like, oh, pop punk or you know, punk rock is this or punk rock died at this time. It's like, okay, buddy, whatever. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Go on, no, I'm, Loom, I'm sure people show. were saying that in the late but... '80s too. You know. Yeah. I like all that stuff. And I'm like, you know, I can like the
1: old stuff, the dead boys, minor threat, Ramones, the Clash. I can love all that. And I can also love the bands of today and now and you know, modern stuff and poppier stuff and heavier stuff and stuff that blends ska and stuff that blends I don't know, whatever. Just
0: Yeah, for sure. Music. It's good, you know, if it's good. Listen to it. Yeah, it and I enjoy can. it. And be enthusiastic about it because that's what life is all about, liking things. And like we were saying earlier, these are life-giving things that we're afforded the ability to enjoy. Well, dude, this has been a lot of fun. I want to be respectful yeah. of your time. I really appreciate you doing this with me. I appreciate you having uh, you on. This is e- fun. Even literally with me completely jacking up the time zones and everything. So thank you so much. <laughs> I just had one more question. What do you think's been the thing you've learned from doing the podcast? Was there any surprises as far as in the process of doing it? The process, you know, I just
1: I try to I try to keep it fun. You know, I do get stressed out sometimes when you know I've reached out to people and they're not getting back to me or, you know, or you're chasing people down and I try to be super respectful of people. I'm not going to badger people. I'm not like a reporter. I'm not like trying to get the dirt. You know, I'm just like, <laughs> hey, I'd like to talk about your band and your music. And here are some things that I'd like to talk about if you'd be interested in you know, answering these questions for me. And some people are like, yeah, definitely. Sure. And then some people like, "Eh, okay, if you want me to, and, or then some people just don't, and that's fine. Like, you know, I don't don't get mad at someone if they, if they don't want to do it, I understand people are busy, but you know, I've learned patience. I've learned just to take things in stride. I've learned to just make sure that it's fun, make sure I'm doing it for fun and not to get too, too worked up about it and too stressed out not to take things personally, you know, I got ghosted by a few people and I'm like, eh, it's fine. Like, you know, <laughs> sure. I can see they, I can see on Instagram, they read my message. Uh, but <laughs> you know. And like, I'm always like, if you want to do it, just tell me, just be like, I don't want, I don't want to do your podcast. I'll be like, yeah, oh, fine. thank you. Thanks for, you know, but Again, it's fine. I've Uh, been
0: there, man. I have been there. Just to validate you, there's been lots of people that I've hit up that have done lots of podcasts. So you kind of think, oh, they enjoy at the very least talking to people about their art and stuff. And for whatever reason, you just don't hear back from them. And sometimes you hear back from them three months later or something. Yeah, yeah. I try not to take
1: that personally because, yeah, I had someone that was on a bunch of podcasts and I had been wanting to get that person on for a while. So I reached out and I was like, hey, it seems like you're in the zone. Like, you know, and they just totally ignored it. And I could have taken that personally, but then I was like, you know what, that person was probably on a lot of podcasts and just doesn't feel like doing podcasts right now. So always trying to look at things from like, you know, a positive perspective. It's not me, you know, it's just that they're busy or they just don't feel like doing a podcast right now or, you know, so I just keep plugging away. I just keep, you know, trying to do what I'm doing and, and keep it fun. And I've definitely learned a lot. I didn't know anything about podcasting when I started. I didn't know anything about microphones. I didn't know anything about recording. I definitely learned through plenty of mistakes. <laughs> yeah, I've deleted things by accident. I've hit the wrong button. I I recorded a whole podcast once with a buddy, and I never even hit the record button. We just did the whole oh. episode, and it wasn't recorded. And I was like, "Ha, <laughs> oh bummer." You yeah, want to come back tomorrow and do this again? And luckily, he was like, "Yeah, man, let's do it. It's all good." And oh, so that's
0: rad, man. That's I was really. I cool. it was a good
1: rehearsal, you know. <laughs>
0: yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it is a good rehearsal. You know what you want to talk about then, right? Yeah, Yeah, that's been my biggest anxiety is just not hitting record or for whatever reason, it just doesn't save to Zoom. (laughs) You have this long conversation with one of your heroes and you're thinking, oh, please don't mess up. Oh, I
1: know. Or get like booted off the internet. And like, I always tell people, I'm like, if I get booted off, I promise I'll come right back. I'm not ditching the session. I'm not, you know, it's like, don't take it. And, there, you know, people know, people get it. They know.
0: Yeah. That it's happens sometimes though. Exactly. That happened. I remember there was, I was talking to Michael from TDR records and <laughs> I think we lost connection maybe five or six times in the middle of our interview. That's, yeah. That's it's, so it's unbelievable how ubiquitous that is. That happens sometimes yeah. just for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I like knowing that you encounter the same things that I do. Kind of makes me feel like I'm not alone in that. So many
1: mistakes. I once deleted my half. I recorded an interview on two separate tracks and accidentally deleted my half. So what I had to do is I had to go back in and record it. I had to listen to the interview and like react and be like, oh, yes, I think that too. (laughs) You know, then I'm like, I'm listening, I'm listening. Then I'd like have to anticipate what the question was. I'd like That's listen awesome. to the answer. Then I'd back it off a little bit. I'd be like, so when you recorded those guitar parts, what kind of strings did you use? And then, eh, and then like, <laughs> totally, like, to me, it sounds phony as hell. I've asked like friends like, hey, when you listen to that interview that I did with that guy, this, can you tell that like I recorded my part after? Like, no, nah, man, it sounds totally natural. And I'm like, great.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. I love that you have friends that you can relay this stuff with. That's really oh, cool. Yeah. Totally. yeah, dude, you do a fantastic job. I've had a blast listening to you. And it's just been a lot of fun. I enjoyed your Uh, show, man. Thanks, dude. I really appreciate it. You were a big inspiration for doing it. You know, this is oh, one th- thanks, man. I was kind of the same of the same mind. Like there's so many friends that I haven't spoken to in forever that live in different parts of the country. And this was the perfect excuse to hit yeah. them up and just say, Hey man, can we just shoot the shit and just talk it's for dish. a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> and bond over these old records that we both love. It's been a lot of fun for and sure. If people
1: listen. Great. Yeah, you know?
0: <laughs> exactly. Yes. Bonus. Right. Well, cool, man. Well, thanks again. I really do appreciate it keep up the phenomenal work. I'll keep listening. People should definitely check out your podcast. You're up to, I think you're almost up to 90 episodes now. I'm hovering around 90. Yeah. Yeah. yeah getting close to that 100 mark. Getting close.
1: I think yeah, um, dude. Maybe by October, November, we'll be celebrating a hundred episodes, which is totally crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Congratulations. That's really cool. Thank you. Thank well, cool, dude. Well, I will definitely continue listening and I'm sure we'll stay in touch. Yep. I'm going to send you our new track because I think you might actually dig it. I'd love to it. The old game time. It's got that double time fast beat in it, so. Excellent. But have a wonderful rest of your day, the rest of your Sunday before you start school. I hope it goes <laughs> smoothly. I hope it's wonderful. Thank you. And there's no problems in the sea of the uncertainty that we're all coexisting in. <laughs> oh, I know. I appreciate it, Jed. It was really fun. All right, Kyle. Thank you. Thanks so much. For sure. All awesome. right, buddy. We'll take care.